Greetings to all people of the nations. As we promised, we are back. Well, I am back. Uh, I'm still Lubi. My name is Lubi Olobo Ogo. I am a student at Jomo Kenyatta University of Agriculture and Technology, and I am so happy to be here. I am so happy to be here. Uh, welcome to After Service Live, the ASL. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's such a privilege to be here. And today, uh, I am not alone. Uh, last time I, we, we had our chair, and today I have been joined by two lovely ladies uh, who I'd like for them to introduce themselves, uh, tell us who they are and what they do. Karigwood, Karigwood. We can start. Hello. Yeah, hi people. I uh, don't have the same kind of energy as Yubi. Yeah, but yeah, I'm also quite energetic. If you get to know me well, my name is Winning Ayo. I'm also a student here at the Jomo Kenyatta University of Agriculture and Technology. Currently in my fourth year pursuing a bachelor's course in radiography and I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Hello everybody. Uh, my name is Terio Tieno. I'm Molo. I'm also a student at JQuat, a fourth-year student pursuing a bachelor's science course in Geomatic Engineering and Special Information Systems. They're looking forward to talenting. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much, Kari Mulutena. This is After Service Live. Hallelujah. Um, so today we we're going to be speaking about two topics. Um, we're going to be reviewing into some actually that we have had this week. Um, and I'm so excited about, we're going to be speaking about the broom snake that we get to read about in Numbers chapter 21, verse 4 to 9. And we will also be discussing our theme for this semester as a J-Court Christian Union, what is going to drive uh, well, us throughout this whole semester. And I'd like to start with Wayne. Um, and the team. So, what is our team for this semester as as a Christian Union, and how and why did you get to choose this team for us? Yeah. So our theme this semester is uh, Christ's sheep hear His voice. This has been paraphrased from John chapter ten verse four, and uh, our theme chapter is John chapter ten, and we will tap all from verse 1 to 21 and you get to see in these verses the major themes that come up is the bit of salvation the bit of obedience for those who have been trained and have gotten to be saved by christ and also the reality of falsehood in our current times and the fact that christ's sheep are able to hear his voice this is just to tell us that for you to be able to respond to the voice of God in obedience, first you need to be part of his flock. And uh, this, uh, this chapter of John affirms that the only way through which one can be able to become part of the sheepfold of God is through salvation. And Christ affirms this in John 10 verse 7 by telling us that he is the gate through which man can be saved and we also know that in our current era we've had many people talk about the different ways in which man can be saved but christ nullifies this here 
And so this thing was very important to show people that there is only one way through which man can be saved, and that is through believing in Christ, going in through him because he's the gate and attaining salvation. And also there is the beat of the sheep of Christ being able to hear the voice of Christ, listen to it and follow him. So here we see that it's not only about listening, but it's about following. So this calls for obedience. Those who have been called by Christ, those who belong to his sheepfold, there is need of obedience. And also another interesting thing about all this is this voice of God. When Christ is talking about his sheep being able to hear and to respond to his voice, what is he talking about? And this voice is the word of God. So this chapter also urges Christians and believers to spend more time in the presence of God by reading his word and responding to it in obedience. And uh, another theme that comes out from John 10 is the theme of falsehood. And we see Christ distincting himself with the Pharisees who are the false teachers of this era. So this is also a call for us as believers in our current era to be able to know that falsehood is a reality and falsehood is present in us. So these are the, some of the things that we are trying to address when we came up with uh, the theme of this semester. When Ku came up with the theme of this semester. Yeah, when uh, the leadership of the Christian Union came up with uh, this theme, and this was informed by what members were able to to feel and uh, evaluation of the current state of the union. So this is a need. So the leadership of the CEO came up with this theme to respond to some of the issues that the members were facing. Yeah, thank you. Interesting. So the leaders actually evaluated the state of the union and so that it is important that we are reminded that Christ's sheep know his voice. Hallelujah. Uh, well, let's, let's talk about Christ's sheep knowing his voice. Um, as, as, as it is written, Dave, uh, at least you can help us understand why do you think it is important for Christ's sheep? And what does it mean to know his voice? Okay, well, so when we speak about Christ's sheep knowing his voice and outlined in the Bible, uh, one, we have to understand that what, uh, what the Bible tries to speak about in, in John 10 is uh, a typical setup of the Christian believers today. And uh, many voices that believers would tend to listen to, apart from that which is of Christ and uh, the, the end is done that if you don't listen to the voice of Christ as a believer then you end up in uh, perversion and so on. So it is of much importance that the sheep that are Christ get to know his voice and one of the ways that you get to know his voice is through the study of the scripture. The Bible says I think in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 that all scripture 
is given as uh, as an inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So as we get to study the scripture, being led by the Holy Spirit, we get to understand what is the mind of God concerning us believers. What does God expect from us? What is he leading us to do? And as we are graced by God, definitely we are not able just to know what God is leading us to, but we are also able to follow and to obey his voice because it will be of no essence just to get to know what he is uh, leading us into and to get to hear his voice, but we are not able to do that which he is calling us to do. We are not able to obey. Uh, we, are not, uh, we are not able to obey uh, his voice and we are not able to follow him. So it is of much importance that as believers we get to study the Bible, we be like the Berian church. What is God speaking to me personally about this Christian journey? That is after you have gotten to believe in Christ and after you have gotten to understand your position in him. And as you get to understand what he is leading you into, you act in obedience. You follow him so that you become moral king. Interesting. So we are called to actually be diligent enough to, to study this word, to know this word, so that whenever we hear it, we can identify and call it out that this is the word of the Lord. Um, that, 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 that actually makes me wonder. Uh, I think, Winnie, you can help me think about this. You, you mentioned this also as the theme of being exposed about why does, why did the Holy Spirit use sheep as an analogy for this because we we know sheep are not exactly the brightest of, of animals they they are not exactly the most brilliant animals so we are expecting sheep to identify this voice why why sheep why did christ use sheep um and why do you think this how do you think this applies to us so Christ used sheep as a metaphor because sheep has very unique characteristics that will apply to us as believers of this age. So the first characteristic we tend to see is that sheep are senseless, sheep are foolish, and uh, in other words, sheep are dumb, so they are very famous for that. And uh, sheep are also defenseless. Sheep are animals of prey, and uh, they tend to be victimized a lot by predators. Sheep are also easily frightened, and the fact that they are easily frightened will show us how much they are in need of a shepherd, someone to offer them protection. And although sheep are not the smartest of animals, sheep are very sensitive to the voice of their masters. Sheep are also prone to wander from the rest of the flock. And uh, these characteristics are very true for us as believers of nowadays. Because many times we wander away from the fold of God. Many times we wander away from this salvation that has been offered to us freely and seek to go to fulfill our desires which are evil and also seek the, the pleasures of, of this world. And we have seen that the, the best chance that a sheep has is staying with his shepherd. And this becomes very relevant because as sheep who are prone to wander, we have shown the need of having a shepherd who will ensure our security, who will lead us to get good, good pastures. So I think this relates to, to us as believers very closely. And so that's why I think Christ used the, the metaphor of sheep because he knew that the Israelites at that time 
will be able to relate with it well and the same applies for us as members of this era. Thank you. Thank you so much uh, for that. I think it also brings uh, me to well, John chapter 10, starting at verse around 11 there, we talks about he is the good shepherd and that he lays down his life uh, for his sheep and the hiring, hiring, hired hand, let's talk about hired hand, yeah. And the hired hand who well, is supposed to watch over the sheep when a wolf comes or when danger approaches, he will leave the sheep. Um, well, and seek safe. Um, well, then can you help us demystify that? When you think, who do you think the Bible is trying to teach us here? When the Bible says that he lays down his life uh, for his sheep. Oh, and so when the Bible speaks about uh, he who lays down his life for the sake of the sheep, the Bible speaks about Christ. Because we, uh, we are able to see that uh, he came. Uh, when, when, we, when we read the Bible, the Bible is a whole story of humankind and them being able to alienate themselves from God in their sinful nature and sin as the Bible states that the wages of sin is death. So when uh, mankind was able to alienate themselves from God in their sinful nature, then the wages of war, uh, of their actions was to be death. And then we see that Christ came in and he died for the sake of the sin of mankind. So when the Bible speaks about uh, him being able to lay his life, he lays his life as a sacrifice for the sake of what we have been able, uh, what we have not been able to achieve for the sake of uh, the sins that we have done that have taken us away from God to reconcile us back to God. Just like the Bible says that God through Christ is reconciling men back to himself, that his life was a sacrifice for our sinful nature just to, 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 to give uh, and to be able to stand as a, as a sacrifice for those things that we were able to, to do that were against God. So Christ is, is the sacrifice. He made down his life. And the Bible continues to say that he's taking, up, uh, he's taking it up again, not just laying down his life for the sake of our sins, but he's ready also to lead us, that as we accept him into our lives when we believe in him, that our sins are atoned for, and he's able also to lead us in this journey of salvation, that we are not actually alone, that he is with us every step of the way, so that we might get to know the mind of the Father, able to do it and conform to him. Yeah. And he atones for our sins. You know, the Bible says in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. I mean, you know, this sheep of his, uh, this sheep of his who sin, uh, need to pay for the sin through death, but he came and he actually laid down his life. He died uh, for his sheep so that his sheep don't get that. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and as we're speaking about this, this message of redemption and how he keeps to die uh, for our sins, I think it brings, brings me to the second topic uh, of our day, which is the bronze snake. I think just before we get to, before Winnie gets to tell us how the broom snake is related to the message of redemption and, and, and Christ being the shepherd and him laying down his life for us. Terry can help us understand what's happening 
and what 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 would we need to know about the bronze snake? What would happen um, as it is recorded in the Book of Numbers? Okay, so the Bible in the Book of Numbers, chapter twenty-one, we are going to start uh, from verse four, but just a preview of what the chapter states uh, ahead of verse verse four. The Bible says that uh, the, the Israelites, I think we all know the Exodus story, how God was able, how the Israelites cried out to God and he was able to save them from Egypt. And he's now, uh, they're now on, on a journey to the promised land. And before they get to the promised land, they get, uh, they get to meet a lot of challenges. And of course, God is faithful to take them through uh, some of the challenges that, that they meet. And in chapter 21, uh, there we see that the Israelites uh, come to, to to meet the Canaanites and they are actually a hindrance to them getting to possess the promise of God which he had promised for them. And they cry out to God that God would deliver these Canaanites to them, that uh, they would be faithful enough to even destroy their cities just as a, as honor to 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 the to to the, to the ability of God. And in verse four, uh, as they continue with the journey, you know, God had outlined out, uh, God was in the process and was faithful to lead them through the journey. So as they continue with the journey, somehow as human beings, they tend to see that the, 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 the route through which God had, had outlined for them is somehow long and they could see that they are far away from the promised land and they want to, to, to take another route, but let's see what happens. Uh, the Bible says that I'm being journeyed from Mount Horn by the way of the Sea of Reeds to go around the land of Endor. And the soul of the people was greatly discouraged because of the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water. And our soul loathes this worthless bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpent, uh, uh, serpents among the people. And they beat the people, and many people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray, uh, pray, unto, uh, pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said unto Moses, Make you a fiery, serp uh, a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is beaten, when he looks upon it, shall kneel. And Moses made a serpent on bronze and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had beaten any man, when he beheld the serpent, uh, the serpent of bronze, he kneeled. So we see the whole story of how um, they got discouraged of the way. And they ended up speaking against God, maybe due to uh, to human limitations, because uh, because we can't say that God had not been faithful to them on and off. They had been able to see how God delivered them with such a uh, great deliverance from the hands of Pharaoh, uh, delivered them from Egypt and so on, and God was able to lead them up to this farm. And they became discouraged. And the Bible even continues to tell us that they were not even grateful of what God had been able to provide for them in terms of bread, but instead they were they were looking at what they were able to eat uh, in Egypt and so on. So this is a whole story of how God uh, punished 
uh, punished their disobedience, how they, 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 they sinned against God by speaking uh, against him and against Moses, his servants, and he sent fiery serpents to beat, uh, to beat them, and some of them died. But then uh, he's merciful enough to, to, send, uh, to send a remedy for the sea. And he asks Moses to uh, make a bronze serpent so that whoever is beat by a serpent should just look and eat. And then he finds the remedy. Interesting. So a people um, that have been delivered from Egypt and are being journeyed uh, to the wilderness, being led by the Lord, you know, Sometimes we, we read the stories and uh, we look at Israel as a, as a very peculiar people. Um, I'm trying to imagine that I am witnessing a whole sea split into two. Right now, if I just see a glass of water being split into two, my first instinct is to run. But this also a whole sea being split into two. They saw deliverance from a whole army of Pharaoh. The Bible even records that none of the people who are pursuing them survive. Um, but they still get to speak against God and most of because the journey. Uh, the journey is long. Uh, that's, 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 okay, but Ernest, before you, you, you get to answer the question I, I asked before, do you think these are just the Israelites or the Israelites are just uh, a people of their own or do you think men? right now are the same um and you think believers also have this tendency to, to stick against god in this way yeah okay so that question was quite unexpected but let me try this point to to eat yeah so we have seen that the israelites have been delivered from egypt a land of slavery, they have been saved, and now they are on their way to to the promised land. So I think there was something something interesting about the deliverance that they they experienced when they were in Egypt. We realized that um, these people have had been in Egypt for like was it four hundred and thirty years? They had spent a lot of time there, so they were in a way familiar with the gods of Egypt. They were, in a way, they were accustomed to, to how the Egyptians used to live. And when God was delivering them from Egypt, he would have used one plague and wiped away the whole of Egypt. And these people would have been saved. But God used, ten, is it 12 plagues? God used 10 plagues. And uh, you'll realize that for all these 10 plagues, God was trying to target the different gods of the Egyptians. So God was not only trying to, to save or to deliver these people of Israel from Egypt, but God was also trying to, make, to deliver them from also the culture and uh, everything that they had learned in Egypt. God was begotting these other gods of Egypt that these Israelites had witnessed and in a way, they had already come to believe in the power of this God. So that was, that was what God was doing, delivering them from Egypt and at the same time showing these Israelites the vanity of the gods that these Egyptians were worshipping. But from uh, after God has delivered them, and they are clearly complaining, and we have seen how God has uh, 
done a lot of things for them, the miraculous deeds that God had performed, leading them through the day and through the night. And uh, when uh, they start complaining because of these tough conditions that maybe they are going through, they have forgotten what God has done. And I think this is very true for us as believers because that was the greatest deliverance for them. They had cried out to God because they were slaves wherever they were. But now they have been given freedom and uh, they still want to go back to where they had been sent from because of the current challenges that they are going through. And I think that can also be said for us believers. Our greatest enemy, our the greatest need for mankind is salvation from his sin. And that was what Christ has done for us. Christ has delivered us from our greatest misery. Sin, which causes us to die not only physically, but also eternal death. And Christ has called us to a life of eternity. And at times, we still wander away from this precious salvation that we have gotten for free, something that we do not deserve. So I think that, that was true during the time of the Israelites. And I think it still applies for us as believers because we are still in this world that is very sinful. Yes, we have been saved from the slavery of sin, but we are still in the presence of sin. And uh, most of the time we tend to go back to the ways that we have been delivered from and I think it's past Peter too. The, the other says that we tend to go back to the empty way of life that we have been delivered to. But God knows this and he has offered us a way out, not only sending us, but also allowing us to come to him in repentance because he knows that most often we still wander away from what we have been given. Yeah, thank you. So we are a people prone to wander. Yeah, we are a people prone to wander. Uh, well, we are people prone to wander back to the ways that we have been delivered from. Well, and so I think my question to, to Tevi, um, so how does this story point to Christ? How does this uh, story of uh, people who had been saved, yet they turned back to the Lord, and then the Lord himself sent fiery serpents um, to the very people he saved, he, his call. And then also when they cry back to him, he offers a solution by telling Aaron to build a bronze snake and sit him upon a point. How does that, how can we relate that to Christ at the end of the day? Okay. Uh, one, I hope we all know that the Israelites sinned against God by speaking against him and against his son. Yeah. So, uh, when they sinned against God, their wages were to be dead, as the Bible states, because uh, God has honored his word, so whatsoever he says comes to pass. So they were, their sin was punishable by God. So uh, the only sacrifice that has been given for the atonement of sin is Christ. There is no sacrifice whatsoever in heaven and on earth that could, uh, be, uh, could be worth the atonement of sin, apart from the sacrifice of Christ. So when uh, when they sinned against God, one, they were to die, and that is why they had most of them being bit by the snake, and they died. And uh, sinning does not just kill the physical body, it also darkens and kills your understanding, your soul. Because the Bible says, I think in the book of uh, Ephesians chapter 
4 verse 18 that it darkens your understanding so you, you could actually be living a life that is not that which god had predestined for you to live so uh uh god after punishing them sending fire serpents to them he then gives a remedy to them and i want us to note that when god provides this remedy he gives it as a choice whoever is beat should uh, should look unto the serpent that Moses has made, the bronze snake. If they choose not to, then they would perish. But if they look unto that serpent, then they are redeemed. So the Bible uh, speaks about God being merciful. The Bible says that uh, he loved, therefore he gave. I hope we all know that the one by one is a love story of God trying to reconcile man unto himself. So when the Bible speaks about he loved, Therefore, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish. And in the book of John chapter 3, when we begin from verse 15, the Bible says that just like uh, Moses was able to lift up the serpent and whoever was beat by the fiery serpent would look unto it and get redeemed and get healed. In the same very way, Christ is lifted up, that whoever makes that choice of believing in him and believing that he actually died for the sake of their sins, that they are saved, whoever. So it's, it's a matter of choice. You choose to perish or you choose to believe in Christ and gain eternal life. So this whole story is a story of a merciful God who punishes, and if we choose to recognize that we have actually sinned. The, the, very first, uh, the very first remedy for our sinful nature is recognizing that we are first sinners and our need for God, our need for the Lordship of Christ, our need for our, uh, for our Savior. So if we recognize our need for our Savior, then we reach out to God and He gives a remedy that if we believe in Christ, if we just choose to look unto Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith, then we are able to get redeemed, we are able to get saved from our sins. Interesting. The, the Lord has sent the snake to snakes. is the same Lord who offered the solution. Uh, he is masterful enough to do so. Um, so, I met, I met a pastor, I've met a person who struggles, who would read this and struggle to understand how we say God is good and God is loving, yet he is just. So, so um, let, let, let's put it in the, in, the, in the text we are reading right now. He actually says next to his people. So how can we, how can, how can we understand that a God who loves us would send snakes uh, to, to bite us? Um, and, 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 and that, thank any of us who is ready can, can, can take that path. How can, how can God, okay, let, let, let me put the question right. How does sending of snakes show the goodness of God? Oh, and so, you know, the Bible says that God disciplines those he loves. Just like our parents, actually the Bible says that our parents would discipline us for the sake of us conforming to what pleases them. And the Bible goes ahead to say that God disciplines us unto godliness so that we might conform into the image of Christ. So if uh, God will send serpents, 
that is just to show the Israelites that I love you too much. You people should be disciplined enough not to actually speak against me because of situations. You know, a typical example of Christians today, when something happens to us, we would always be asking, why God? Where is God? We fail to remember that God is always supreme. God has always maintained his position. It is us who shift. So if we are actually disciplined by God, it shows us love. I believe that if we come from family setups where our parents don't discipline us or among us, there is a, a, a kid that uh, the parent disciplines and one that the, the parent doesn't discipline, then we will tend to see that the parent shows partiality. So if God disciplines us just to tell us that he loves us so much to let us perish in our own understanding, in our own way of comprehending things. Yeah, so yeah, God loves us and therefore he disciplines us. We have anything to add that. Yeah, maybe just an addition. I think the, the love, the justice and the mercy of God is very complex. Because we know that, uh, as uh, my colleague has said, the wages of sin is death from Romans 6.23. And we know that God is holy, God is thrice holy, and God does not condone sin. So God is just and um, every sin is punishable. And God is also merciful and God is love. So the question here would be, how do you reconcile these three things? A God who does not condone sin, a God who must punish sin, and a God who loves his people. And uh, when we look at the story of uh, the bronze snake, the Israelites clearly sinned against God. And since God is a God who does not condone sin, God punishes them for their sin, but he does not end there. God offers them a solution. So we can see that clearly God had to punish the sin that they had done, but still offered them a way out. And I think that was highly manifested in the death of Christ. For all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But what Christ did is from a point of love. God had to punish our sin. And I think it's, I'm really intrigued by the phrase that says that the cross is where justice and mercy meet. Because Christ was hanged on that old ragged cross to atone for the sins that we had done. And God had to, to punish him because sin is punishable by God and God must punish sin. But at the same time, Christ being hanged on that cross gave us life for all those who believed in him for just as the israelites would look unto the bronze snake and they would be healed and they would get their lives back because some were dying this is the same thing that has been offered to us by what christ did and i think that's the highest show of uh, the love of god so it's not a matter of questioning the justice and the love of god because yeah those two things they are complex but uh, god is both of them and he cannot compromise any of his characters god cannot compromise his holiness to to excuse our sin. And so from these two things, you see that God is love. God punishes our sin. He is just and still offers us a way out for the Israelites through the bronze snake and for us through the death of Christ at Calvary. Thank you. Uh, welcome. <laughs> so, so, so what I'm hearing is God is holy. 
and just, and he has said that the wages of sin is death. But he loves his people so much that he came down himself to come and pay for that, for that penalty of sin, which is death, so that his people uh, may not die. He says that he is the good shepherd. Um, and that his people, the people he has died for, the people who look to him know his voice, and that he lays down his life for the sake. And just as he shows mercy and love to the people of Israel in the wilderness, even though they, he showed them a lot of wonders and he did so much for them, uh, yet they still went away. He still expressed his love and he still expressed his mercy. What was it God? What a God. I think I'll give us an opportunity each to just give us a final parting shot. What what would you want to believe us out there? But even non-believers, uh, what would you want to leave? What message would you want to leave uh, for them even as we come to the end of our show today? We can start with Tish. Okay, so what I'd love to to give us lessons, what to the believers and unbelievers. One, discouragement is part of the church. Salvation is a journey, it's not a destination. And as long as we live in this world, the Bible says that we are living in a wicked world, but we are not of the world, so we should therefore triumph because Christ is in us. So discouragement is part of the work. What you do when you discourage is what should, uh, what, what should matter. Uh, you get discouraged, the journey might seem long, your destiny might seem far away, but do not uh, speak against God because we know that God is faithful. Uh, the fact that we are saved speaks about the, uh, the, the, faithful of, uh, the faithfulness of God in the first place. And two, that the wages of sin is death. It doesn't matter whether you're a Christian, you have believed in God, or whether you have not believed in God, the wages of sin is ultimately death. So let us live lives that are conforming to the to the standard that Christ has set for us. Let us be willing to be obedient to God. Let us be willing to be led of God. Let us not live perpetually in sin and so on. And then three, let us always recognize and admit that on our own selves, we cannot do anything and that we are in constant need of a savior. We are in constant need of help from God. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I was just saying my point straight. Yes, I think one, I have three things as a take home maybe. And uh, the first one is that the, the greatest need for man is uh, salvation. All these other things that the world has to offer, they are temporary. And I think something that should uh, scare us is a death that is able to destroy the body and uh, also kill the soul. And uh, when we come to Christ, Christ is offering us eternal life life beyond this physical world and so this is just an encouragement for us that indeed the world has 
things that may seem pleasurable at the moment, but at the end of it all is death. And so the greatest need of man is salvation. And uh, also for those of us who have uh, been born again, it's just a call for us to continue listening and responding in obedience to the voice of this good shepherd, because you have seen that this shepherd willingly laid down his life for his flock. So how much more? And this is also a call for us to trust, to trust in God more. For indeed, Christ was the greatest gift that God has given us. So even in uh, times that we are facing challenges, it's a call for us to trust in God because he has given us what was most precious to him. And uh, it's also a call for us to abide in Christ. For yeah, those of us who have been born again to abide and to bear fruit. And uh, because we have been saved, we have been saved to be able to also be a blessing to others. So it's also a call for us who are believers to labor in God's vineyard because we have seen the work that Christ did, the earth and the climax of it all being him dying on the cross. So it's a call also for us to, to love others to the extent that we are able to go out there and preach this good news that has been preached to us and we are able to obtain salvation through it. Yeah, so that is my take home. And it also would like the, the rest of the audience to take that home and reflect on these things. Thank you. And you are welcome. I think for me, it was something the speaker said, um, the one who spoke about the bronze name. It's that Israel was free. The Lord had set them free from Egypt, but they were still on the life they had in Egypt, the point where they tell God, were there no graves uh, back in Egypt that we could be buried in? Um, but it speaks to us also, the way we are prone to wonder, we are prone to sin, that we, have, we are pegged to of the sins that we used to do before. But uh, then again, it, it, it we were reminded of how the solution remains to be Christ. Even though we feel like that, even though we fall, the solution is the one who can forgive sin. The solution is the one who can save, uh, who is Christ Jesus. So thank you so much for listening. This is After Service Live. We are so glad that you would be part of us today. We are so glad you would join us uh, today. And we pray just as we had said earlier to Pray with us concerning this podcast that many may hear and they may believe not because we are better than them or you, not because we are preachers of the word, and, but because the word says, because he says. We are pointing people to this Christ that they may hear, they may receive him, and they may believe. Uh, once again, this is After Service Life. My name is Nubi Olobo Ogo. I'm so happy to be here. You can follow us uh, at CU Podcasts. That is our social media platform name. JQuatCU Podcast. That is J-K-U-A-T-C-U Podcasts. There is an S uh, at the end. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time.